Hey everyone, this is Race, Justice, and the Church. I'm your host, Nate Winstead. You can follow me at Nate, Knight with a K, wins. Today, we're talking with Matt Mueller. I'm here with Matt Mueller. Matt is uh, pretty much like my best friend. Um, What's up, Nate? How you doing today, man? He's uh, really helped me understand a lot of things about the subjects in this podcast. Uh, Matt is originally from St. Louis, Missouri. He grew up in uh, the suburb of Florissant, Missouri. Um, And Florissant is right next door to Ferguson, uh, which I'm sure most of you are familiar with. Uh, We'll definitely be talking about that. Uh, Matt moved to New York City in 2010 and helped start Everyday Christian Church, where uh, that's where I first met Matt. Um, Yeah, Matt uh, grew up in... Um, go, going to a Christian church slash Church of Christ um, church in Florissant. He graduated from Ozark Christian Church. Uh, I'll clean that up. He graduated from Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri, where I also graduated. But ironically, we didn't know each other uh, since we didn't go there at the same time. But anyway, um, several years into planting Everyday uh, Christian Church, Matt, uh, has really been a catalyst for helping the church embrace diversity and justice. Um, he's currently also a PE teacher at Geneva School, uh, which is a private Christian school here in New York City. Matt and his as Matt and his wife Kayla are also busy raising their less than a year old daughter Lena. So Matt, welcome to the podcast. How old, how old is Lena? Lena is six months old. Um, just a little over six months. Well, cool. Matt and I have been talking about, um, you know, some form of this podcast uh, for a while. So, uh, Matt, could you just let us know let us know a little bit about yourself, about your experience growing up in St. Louis, um, and yeah, yeah. Um, I would just say that, as Nate said, I'm from um, St. Louis, Missouri. Well, the St. Louis area. I'm actually from St. Louis County, uh, just north of the city. And uh, North County is, is uh, it's an area that's made up of a bunch of different municipalities. The one that I'm from is Florissant, like he said, is right next to um, Ferguson. Um, it's a very racially segregated area. Mm. Um, so growing up, it was pretty uh, clear to me that, there, that that race was a thing, um, that there were black people and there were white people. I was made, you know aware of that at a very young age i yeah, went like, to uh it's kind of like part of your everyday life yeah yeah definitely um i i went to um school uh, elementary school was uh mostly white but it was a little bit diverse um as i got into middle school my middle school was uh, i would say closer to you know maybe half white and half black there were not a lot of other um ethnicities or people represented yeah. um, in that area it's and then uh, going into high school was kind of the same as middle school. So um, even though the, the the general area that I grew up in was very segregated, um, going through school, I was going through school at a time that the schools were, um, I would say, changing demographically. Okay. And uh, that was a pretty quick transition. So over the course about, of, you know, even just my time in high school, um, school went from you know majority white to majority black and uh, wow really yes and you know today I was I'm not exactly sure on the numbers but it's 
it's I would I would imagine over ninety percent African American um, at this point in time. So um, yeah, I would say uh, the the um, social phenomenon known as white flight was mm. uh, something that was a part of my everyday life um, in the sense that you know all of my cousins, friends, people that I grew up with and around um, lived in. You know, in the in the general vicinity where I was, yeah. um, North St. Louis County, and as um, you know, as the area changed demographically, as the school changed, uh, I just saw relationship after relationship of people leave um, the county altogether to go to a further uh, northern suburb into uh, St. Charles County, into O'Fallon, okay, into these areas that were um, much much more. Um, white at the time white yeah so for like just a little reference usually when we talk about white flight i feel like that's mostly like you know after world war ii in the 50s especially as the suburbs are being built up um there's a lot of a lot of uh people who are able um economically uh as well as you know depending on redlining who can you know what banks will give the people loans and how people how uh, the real estate developers put together neighborhoods, um, you know, a lot of that happened in, you know, the 50s and 60s and stuff. Um, but, you know, it's interesting to even think about how it still happens in some, you know, in our lifetime even. Um, I would add, yeah. yeah, I would add to that that yeah, it was a it was a um, a pattern that was set into motion by. By housing discrimination, mm. um, that our federal government was was deeply guilty of through not giving um, the same loans to returning World War II veterans uh, based on race. Yeah, um, that was one of the major aspects. But there were many many discriminatory practices that were happening that set this into motion um, around the time of you know the post World War II um, into the 1950s. Um, but I would say that it's a it's a it's a pattern that was set into motion that is still continuing today. It just has yeah. moved further and further and further out from the center city into the inner suburbs and to the outer suburbs. Um, and then in some places it's it's kind of jumped right back over. Um, yeah. And that's where you see gentrification coming into play. Well, man, how did, <laughs> like obviously I'm guessing you didn't know all of this or were aware of all of this as you're, you know, growing up. Um, in St. Louis or whatever. So, like, when did this, like, when did you really start asking questions like, why is it like this? Or, like, I noticed that things are changing or have changed or whatever. Like, how did that come about, you know? Like, how did you get interested in this stuff? Yeah, I would say, um, I would say that it really just starts with an awareness that something is wrong. Um, and th the way I was made aware from a young age that something was wrong had to do with um, going into the city. So, oh, okay. uh, you know, we were, you know, in Florissant, um, still at the time a very white area. And like how far away is that from like the middle of St. Louis? Uh, I'm like not downtown sure mileage. It's... Uh, but it's about a from downtown, probably a twenty to twenty, probably a twenty-five minute drive. Oh, okay. To downtown St. Louis, so yeah. 
and we, you know, not too far away from us, there was um, like an elevated train. It's called the Metrolink in St. Gotcha. Louis. Okay. And a lot of times, you know, going, we would to go downtown, we would drive to this train station and take the train. Um, and we were pretty much tracing um, white flight in reverse. Wow. As we would go <laughs> on this trip. Interesting. And, you know, not just white flight. I mean, white flight along with you know, the deindustrialization of the city. Mm. Um, it was, you know, St. Louis was a very um, industrial city with a lot of, you know, manufacturing jobs, a lot of warehouses, factories. Yeah. Um, the, like the biggest train station in, yeah. I don't know, the area at least. I don't yeah. It's, it's like a mall now yeah. or something. So but. we would trace, you know, basically just by going down to the center, you know, of the city, yeah. We would be doing, you know, the the we would be tracing the path of white flight and um w- w- the way I knew something was wrong was because you could see how um heavily impacted those parts of the city where as you cross from the county into the city and as you, you know, as you went through these devast absolutely economically devastated areas. Um yeah. that really looked like uh, a war zone. Wow. Um, and seeing the, the ruins of um, this once booming city um, and then realizing how racialized, how, you know, how uh, just how racially segregated it all is, where, you know, where the worst areas, the most economically depressed areas um, correlate so closely to race. Um, yeah. It just made me know something was wrong. And I, I really didn't have an answer for it at the time, but that's where the, that's where the questions I would say started. Yeah, um, I mean that makes me think of uh, you know I grew up in the uh, suburbs of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it's almost like everybody knows everybody knows uh, you know where certain people live. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you know like yeah, all the black people lived in North Tulsa, all the Spanish people, you know, any kind of uh, immigrants from Mexico or Central America, they all lived in South Tulsa. Um, and then, uh, like, all the white people lived in the mm-hmm. suburbs, pretty much. But it, it was like, not, it's not a mystery, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a large scale that I think people in... It's like the housing discrimination happened on such a large scale for so many years um, and people, help, you know, people that are not white have been confined to economically depressed areas based on discrimination um, and based on pattern. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a pattern that was set into motion that continues um, to this day. And so yeah. people almost anywhere from any, you know, midsize, large city down to midsize and even smaller cities um, can relate to this. I'm, I, I, anyone I've ever talked to from, yeah. uh, you know, a city of that size knows that there's a certain part of town that you don't go to. Right, yeah. I mean, that's how the white side of town would see it. Yeah, and that, this yeah, is the uh, uh, more people of color. Yeah, there, and, sure. and off, a lot, you know, sometimes there is higher crime in those areas, but um, a lot of that tends to trace back to the, the economic crisis facing those communities. Um, yeah. And then there's a, a lot of stereotypes that get put on those people and tends oftentimes to be a much greater fear of going into those areas than what the reality is. Um, right. But if, you know, once you start to learn about um, what has happened over the course of our history, the history of this country, 
um you know especially yeah, or, just or even just the the history of the city or absolutely the, the and, area like. and ju- as you start to learn just the purely the discrimination in housing without even going into all the other stuff yeah um that goes along with that as well and, yeah, and all the other in, layers not implicit but like very explicit yeah. <laughs> racism. well yeah and just all the other la- there's so many layers to all of this but just yeah. if you just look at housing um and you look and you see what happened um it, it it's impossible to not just be infuriated for one but also just to for it to make sense if you've you know yeah. known this to be true in your life um that certain part of town is you know looked at a certain way um right. so yeah learning the, the the history of the places i've i've lived that has proved to be very very beneficial just in my overall understanding and ability to be an advocate for um for justice and for change and for hope yeah okay so you mentioned places <laughs> places you lived um i, I, I want to get I mean, we'll talk a, a little bit more about St. Louis, but I want to transition a little bit to, um, like, you have been in New York City since 2010. Uh, so, wow, almost a decade. Yeah. Man, that's 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 crazy. Uh, so, like, what brought you to New York? Um, how, how has uh, being in New York uh, shaped you and... Uh, you know, maybe made you more aware of things, um, both here and where you grew up? Um, I would say, well, I moved here initially to um, help with a church plant in uh, in Upper Manhattan, in the area of Inwood, um, or Washington Heights of, of uh, New York City. Um, how has being here shaped me? Um, I would say in so many ways, but specifically... Um, in regards to what we're talking about, the the way it's changed me most is by um, thrusting me into the the lives of people that have a different story than my own, that their yeah. background is different than my own. That would be um, the the biggest way. And I could get even more specific about yeah. that, but yeah. What do you mean by that? Like, what? Give us some examples of you know just different stories that you've. Um, you know been connected with now yeah well, i mean for like first of all there's so many personal relationships that i could talk about um and how you know friends of mine have very different um experiences than i do just with with all with many different things um yeah. in in society you know to zero in on one would be the police um okay you know, my view of police generally was always um, somewhat favorable. Uh, I, there wasn't a reason for me not to trust them. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, I have, I have, you know, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of people that that's not been their experience. They've been mm-hmm. through things that give them the exact opposite perspective um, that I have. Um, so, you know, things like that, meeting people that have had different experiences than you that, that come from, uh, have a different background and a different story. Um, it just expands your perspective and, and helps you to, to better understand um, if you're open to, to listening yeah. to people, helps you to better understand uh, where they might be coming from. Um, but, you know, aside from the personal relationships, you know, uh, one of the things um, that played a large role just in my um, 
I would say my just coming to awareness of how deep the injustices are in our society, especially racially, um, occurred with the the killing of Trayvon Martin um, back right. in about maybe 2012, I think it was, or t- 2012, 2013. Uh, I can't remember one of those. I yeah. think it was 2012. Um, so, you know, at the time... Um, I, I would say I was still maybe neutral just in, in regards to, um, a lot of issues of racial justice, which, uh, neutral is, is pretty much probably, I mean, that's another conversation, but neutral is complicit and neutral is guilty. Let's camp out there for just a (laughs) second because I feel very much the same way. Like I, I had I moved to New York. I've met all these different kind of people from different backgrounds. Um, and I feel like I was very much the same way, like very, uh, yeah, neutral, I guess. Yeah. I didn't really have a strong opinion about anything yeah. having to do with race or, or you know, uh, <laughs> getting into the like the police at all. Like, you know, I, I just didn't have any awareness or uh, about anything. Yeah. Um, being really neutral. Um, and I think that is... Uh, like I think that's an important thing to notice is mm-hmm. that both of us lived in New York City, were with people from you know all over the map of literally the world, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and we're still we were still pretty like neutral to things. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just want to point that out that like there there I I think that it is like important to have you know really diverse uh relationships with different people with different relationships different experiences and things but you know that that doesn't always translate to um you know real awareness or uh advocacy or anything like that you know what i mean yeah i mean i would say it it it, it for me was a process um ooh that's good yeah yeah talk about that and so like when that event occurred um I obviously got the national media attention that it got, and it was sort of a dividing um, point in our nation. Yeah. And for for you know for for pretty obvious reasons, um, and I had people very close to me that felt very strongly um, about the case that were on different sides of it, and yeah. um, especially you know. Especially with some people that, you know, family members and people that played uh, a, a large role in my upbringing and, and shaping me. And so um, that was difficult. Yeah, this is in the age of Facebook, right? Where, like, yeah, it's kind of the, I feel like Trayvon Martin, uh, whenever he was killed, that was kind of when posting on Facebook I don't know for the social, like, yeah, social reasons. justice, political things, um, you know, started to yeah, it was at an all time high around then, yeah, well, or maybe after, but that's when it first was at an all time high, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So I just remember my feeling was torn. Um, yeah, I didn't really, you know, it was hard to see the disunity. And just to reconcile in my own life how I can have people that I highly respect, admire, and love um, that have such different opinions on this, and Christians also. Yeah. Um, So that was hard. 
But still, at, at that point, it, it was more a head thing um, than a heart thing for me, I would say, until, um, and this is where living in New York City, you know, plays into this. Um, I knew there was going to be a large rally. Um, oh, yeah. A large rally downtown for Trayvon Martin. And at this point, I still really wasn't sure what I thought about it all. Yeah, I just knew that I was torn. I knew that people that I loved and cared about um, had different opinions. Yep. But I knew that something was wrong, and I knew that this was, you know, a result of uh, uh, of something that's wrong in society. Um, and so I, I was just curious to try to find the answers. Okay. And something led me. I'd never really been to a protest or a demonstration, but something yeah. led me to this protest that day yeah i remember matt telling me i'm i'm going i'm gonna go downtown i'm going to this protest and i'm like what <laughs> i barely knew i i didn't know what was going on or anything like something with this uh you know this killing in florida i had no idea but yeah matt was going to this protest. like all right man yeah and i would say even as i as i went to that i was still in a sense um neutral in my yeah you know, approach. I wasn't necessarily there to express indignation towards the system um, as much as I was there just to try to find answers. Yeah, and kind of express that you felt like something to express something was it, awry, something was wrong here. To express it, less to express it. Okay. More to learn, more hmm. to 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 see, I guess, and to feel what people were feeling. Yeah. Not really knowing what that meant. Um, and wow, was it quite the awakening. Yeah, what was that like? I don't know if we've ever really like got into the details. Like, what, why, How was that so impactful for you? The impact. Um, the impact was in the dozens of black mothers. Wow. And in their tears and in their fear um, and in their fight for their children's lives. Um, yeah. Seeing that was something that, for one, you can't forget. Um, mm. For two, if you have any level of um, ability to empathize with people, you realize that. There's a lot more to this um, than I want to think. There's mm -hmm. a lot more to this than you want to think. There, it's it's not simple. Yeah. Um, it's not uh, something you can just file away and justify easily in your mind once you see that yeah. that level of pain, that level of um, of pain. Wow. Uh, so I would say seeing that pain, hearing those cries um, for justice really woke me up and really um really forced me to see the reality that was always there yeah but that my uh upbringing um didn't allow me to see right because i was so uh cut off from it and because mm. um yeah i was so far removed in so many ways yeah um yeah yeah, and uh, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I feel like the, you know, we're cut off. Um, 
from one another in a number of ways, you know, one in, uh, you know, personal relationships, um, you know, I, I know that there's studies that talk about like, you know, most white people, like the vast majority of white people do not have close relationships with people that are not white mm-hmm. <laughs> in America, which is kind of insane. Um, but we, we self-segregate ourselves um, in our personal relationships. Um, but then, you know, it's not just personal relationships. It's also the bigger, uh, the bigger picture of, uh, you know, things we were talking about before, like um, of our neighborhoods being so segregated that, you know, there's uh, laws that were passed or, um, you know, redlining that was done that even negates the possibility of those relationships to be even had with one another to be able to, um, you know, like you're sharing, be able to um, experience what someone else is experiencing. Um, and I think that's why there's, it's one reason why there's there's such a disconnect um, when it comes to, to race. Um, man, so I want to kind of fast forward a little bit um to uh talk about ferguson um and the killing of michael brown um because i I mean that's just it's a touchstone for me definitely uh but i think for uh, a lot of our listeners you know no like everybody knows everyone was following the news uh like you couldn't not be aware of it, it was kind of like the oj simpson trial like it was just on tv all every night because Ferguson was, uh, you know, the whole city was melting down for a month. Um, so I, I mean, I, I want to talk about that. What I, what I often share with people um, is that um, the killing of Michael Brown and everything that happened in Ferguson was like such an eye-opening experience for me. And I say that because I got Matt's perspective on things. You know, everybody obviously watched the news and, you know, whatever, you know, might be on social media, but my best friend, like, grew up, like, in that area. So he is very aware of, um, like, a lot, uh, he got, he gave me a much different perspective than, um, you know, than a lot of people. And, um, you know, all the kinds of things he's, he's been talking about, um, with, um, uh, with racial segregation and uh, white flight and all of that, um, you know, just made a lot of things make a lot more sense. Um, and, you know, Matt, I know you were on, <laughs> I remember when it was happening, you were on Twitter like every day for hours <laughs> watching live streams of everything going on because your like city was, uh, in, in a lot of ways, was. My family was and friends apart. were deeply affected and were very close physically to. Um, all that was happening throughout the whole t- event. Yeah, man, and I remember you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you were talking about uh, you know different perspectives, even on even on that happening. Um, yeah, like, uh, <laughs> well, I I don't know what to get into with that, but like, um. What was that experience like for you? Just because I think that we get too disconnected from like different things that happen in cities or or you know um, places 
just things that are in the news that um, you kind of get numb to it and it's like whatever. But mm-hmm. I don't know. This was like you knew the quick you knew that quick trip. <laughs> I knew all of everything. You know, you had there. been down that street. You knew everything. Like, what was that like? Um. <clears throat> so, well, I'll say this: that happened in 2014. I would say. From 2012 to 2014, I had already kind of started becoming more aware of the problems um, in society, of the systemic racism that affects every area of so many of our lives, mm-hmm. um, of our history, um, of the the actual practices that led to such um, segregation and inequality in St. Louis, in North County, in Ferguson, in all the places that I grew up around. Yeah. Um, I started seeing the, the larger historical narrative of how it became the way it became. Um, I started to understand why when I took the train through North St. Louis City, it looked like a war zone. I started to understand that. I started to have um, a, a way to uh, just a frame of, of reference for it all that I didn't have as a kid. I mean, you're just educating yourself on absolutely, on absolutely. But you know, stuff that I knew wasn't right, I finally understood why it wasn't right, and a lot of the the racist lies yeah. that were told to me about why certain people are poor and certain people aren't um, w- were proven to be lies. Yeah. As I learned the truth, um, as I learned about all the stuff that had happened. Um, and that continues to happen. And yeah. so I think that that is very true for any time you look at a, a justice issue, like we like to simplify things. Yeah. Racism is very intelligent. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> it's very intelligent. And, and it has. Yeah. Um, it has a, a, an argument and a justification for everything. And if that's all you're ever exposed to, um, even if you're not personally prejudiced against people for the color of the skin, you have a, a deeply um, racist m- mindset and mentality. Right. And that's something that I think, you know, all of us have. I have that and I'm still working to deconstruct that. It's a constant process. That's, right. It's, it's, that's a, from, it's a part of our culture. It's a part yeah. of what we like it's, you just receive. It's so deeply ingrained from the from birth and all the messages and all the media that we take in and all the stories that we're taught, yeah. the ways we understand ourselves and we, ways we understand our communities and our country and our history. We're, we're programmed to think a certain way. Yeah. Um, well, like, for example, you know, saying that, you know, someone is poor, like, oh, it's because they're lazy. Yeah. You know, that's, it's always yeah. so much more complicated than that. Absolutely. That's a, it's an easy justification. You know, to, they had this medical problem and then, you know, someone stole from them and then, you know, whatever. They didn't have an education for this reason or, you know, multiple things are going on in their lives that yeah. are are leading toward a trajectory of poverty and like (laughs) absolutely well yeah yeah to say that they're lazy is a a extreme oversimplification yeah there's Um, a there's a lot of blaming but but it lets it lets those in power kind of off the hook absolutely absolutely it allows you of any responsibility it allows you to hold on to the narrative you've accepted for yourself that really makes you superior to to those people um rather than uh, the way of Christ, which is to put yourself on the cross next to them and to empathize and to understand 
um, that it, it's it's much more um, there's much more to it than the way that that you want to think because the way you want to think is easy. <laughs> yeah, is easy, and it doesn't challenge you to to give anything up. Um, Oof, but yeah. yeah, to to start acknowledging these things. I mean, I think that's why it's so hard for people to come out of um, to come out of the mindset they've been, you know, that they've grown up with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so hard for people just to even admit that that certain racist things that happen in society um, are are, at are what racist. they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, are racist because even just to admit that, to admit that, you know, that that uh, there's racial bias in any one of our systems or institutions or or anything um it's pretty much also requires giving up the your whole identity and saying everything i've ever learned and known about myself is not true yeah um and so i think that's why there's such a defensiveness and uh a hardcore um disproportionate uh, aggression Mm -hmm. um and a lashing out that you see over and over and over again on um, social media and on the news and in so many different forums um, when the, the dominant groups are people are challenged because or, or just not even challenged but just confronted with reality yeah because you know to accept reality as true is to give up the lie that you've always thought was true Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's, I mean that's great stuff, man. I mean, Christ calls us to 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 dig into issues and to take them seriously. I mean, the whole incarnation, Jesus, Jesus did not commute, you know, into our lives. He he came in and moved into the neighborhood and dealt with very real complicated issues of his day mm-hmm. uh socio-political issues yeah um of of jewish people in palestine like yeah he was he was not disconnected from these things and he didn't get he didn't give you know simplistic answers hey everyone tune in to the next episode to hear the rest of my conversation with matt mueller